Welcome to Mindset Reset Radio. I'm your host, Jess, and I'm on a mission to help female entrepreneurs like you get intentional in life and business. So if you're feeling stuck, you're looking for inspiration, or you just want to be reminded that you're not alone on this crazy entrepreneurial journey, you've landed in the right place. You can join our community of intention getters on Instagram at Jessica Thiefels, that's me, and you can learn more about how I can support you in business and mindset at jessicathiefels.com. Finally, if you love what you hear, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'll be forever grateful. Now, sit back, grab a journal, and get ready to start living with intention. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Mindset Reset Radio. We are here today with Rebecca Case, who is a licensed clinical social worker, yoga instructor, and trauma expert. As the owner of Case & Co., an EMDR training company for mental health counselors, she's an internationally known speaker on EMDR and polyvagal theory. She has grown her small training company into a seven-figure business. With leadership experience in nonprofit and for-profit sectors, Rebecca is well-versed in the challenges of leading teams and building a healthy, thriving business. She teaches professionals how to unlock the healing power of polyvagal theory to succeed and lead healthy, cohesive teams, and she teaches us how neurobiology intersects with entrepreneurship and business leadership and supports us to become our best selves. Welcome, Rebecca. I am so excited about today's topic and to have you here. Uh, Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. So before we jump in, why don't you give us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I live in Washington State. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, which is just a long way to say that I'm a psychotherapist. I'm a mental counselor. I specialize in trauma, and I've been practicing in the field of counseling since 2006. I love working with trauma. Not that I love that people are traumatized, but trauma is something that we all experience <laughs> in our life. But the reason that I love working with trauma is because we can heal from trauma. And when we heal, we usually come out the other side stronger and more resilient and with a lot of really valuable life lessons in, in our toolkit to pull from. So I got really into treating trauma when I was going through grad school. I did an international internship in Bosnia, actually, uh, during my graduate training program, which was a fascinating, valuable experience. And while I was in grad school, I also got trained in EMDR. EMDR is an amazing therapy that is evidence-based to treat trauma and PTSD. And I started practicing it and found it to just be a life-changing experience for my clients and for me, I have done a lot of EMDR throughout my lifetime to heal my own traumas and adversity that I've gone through. And I have worked in a lot of different settings as my bio shares. I've worked in for-profit and non-profit. I know all the different kind of flavors of insanity from <laughs> bureaucratic, you know, uh, micromanaged environments and work settings. And really found my entrepreneurial spirit, I think, in some of my frustrations with leadership along the way. I feel that my kind of framework on leadership and how I lead and how I run my business is very much informed by the many experiences I've had that have told me, don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I've had more experiences that have taught me what not to do than I think leaders who have shown me what to do that I want to model myself after. So I also fell in love with polyvagal theory years ago and uh, now 
consider myself to be an expert in it. I have a book on polyvagal theory and EMDR therapy. It's very helpful for your clinicians. But polyvagal theory is just an amazing framework to better understand our neurobiology and how our nervous system responds to stress and how we can best support our nervous system to live our best self. Amazing. Yeah, I've done, I've actually done some EMDR in like working through lots of my trauma. Um, not as much as some of the other therapies. I've actually recently really loved IFS, internal family systems. That's been really powerful for me. Um, and some hypno visualization, manifestation, neuro, like sort of rewiring through, um, Actually, the program is to be magnetic. It's for like manifesting, but really it's just about like deep healing trauma. Like actually right before this, I did like a 30 minute one on basically recreating your experience from birth till nine months old um, to try to heal some of the trauma that exists around that. So I'm uh, very nerdy in this space as well, but certainly not an expert in it like you are. <laughs> Love it. IFS is, yes, I just want to also give a little plug for IFS. IFS is a fantastic therapy and you can just learn so much about yourself with that, with that approach. Yeah, I've loved it. I think it's probably some of the most impactful therapy I've ever done in my life. And as I've said, I've done lots of different stuff. So um, anyway, we're here to talk about polyvagal theory and I'm curious about it specifically for those of us running a business, living this entrepreneurial life. So let's start first and foremost with what is polyvagal theory? Give us the give us the headline. Yeah. So polyvagal theory is a theoretical model that was developed by Stephen Porges based on decades and decades of his research in which he was studying the heart. He started out studying the heart and how heartbeat contributes to health and wellness or causes us a lot of distress and despair in our lives. And from his research, he discovered the power of the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it at some point in time. Uh, at this point, the vagus nerve is the second longest nerve in your body, mm -hmm. second to your sciatic nerve. And vagus stands for wanderer. I think of this as your <laughs> wanderlust nerve because it gets around y'all like this nerve just likes to go on vacation. <laughs> So it goes so many places in your body, which is pretty unique for a nerve. So it comes out of your brain. It's one of your cranial nerves and it connects to your facial muscles. It connects to your eyes. It connects to your inner ear. It connects to your vocal cords. It connects to your heart. It connects to your lungs. It connects to all of your digestive organs. That's a whole lot of places for a nerve to go. And that nerve receives and sends information between the body and the body to the brain. So it's a bi-directional nerve. So information that comes into our body through our senses is kind of sent through that nerve up to the brain and information from the brain is like sent down to the body. So it's a bi-directional nerve. Information is coming and going. It's really like the mind-body connection you can mm -hmm. consider. So the vagus nerve is kind of like the conductor of your stress responses. Hmm. So when we've all heard probably of the terms fight, flight, and freeze, right? They're classic trauma responses. They're also just how your nervous system is wired to respond to stress. So when something feels dangerous or alarming or really stressful, 
we move into fight or flight responses, or we move into like this kind of freeze or collapse state, depending on how big the stressor is and what it is and lots of different other variables. But your vagus nerve is kind of the one that controls that. So it's the vagus nerve that helps to mediate those responses and moves you into fight or flight or can move you out of fight or flight. And so the vagus nerve, Stephen Porges talks about polyvagal theory and the vagus nerve is really the science of safety. Because when we study polyvagal theory, we understand how our nervous system functions in order to keep us safe. It's worked like fight, flight, freeze, and collapse responses are good. They've worked. Obviously, you're still alive. You're still here. They've served a purpose, but they can really wreak havoc on our mind and body when our nervous system gets activated and it doesn't need to, or those responses feel out of control. If you were in a life or death situation, like you really need those responses. Absolutely. But when you get the email from that person you're trying to build an affiliate partnership with, and they're kind of frustrating to you and you go into like fight mode and you respond back in all caps, or you can't sleep because you keep ruminating on that thing you got to get done, or you're worried about your marketing or, you know, cash flow, or you get so overwhelmed with just the challenges of entrepreneurship that you shut down. You're like, never mind. I'm not going to do this. I'll go back to the full-time, you know, salary job. Like those are the responses that polyvagal theory can help us to get a better handle on. Mm -hmm. So our nervous system and our stress responses don't feel like they're running the show. Mm -hmm. So the vagus nerve is impacting how we're responding to that, these things, right? And I feel like from what I know of just psychology, trauma, mental health, a lot of that is also in, is like imprinted on us from childhood and experiences we've had and the environment that we're in. So tell us like, okay, so we know we're having these fight or flight responses and we know we're not managing them well. Are we looking to do like that traumatic healing to help the vagus nerve work, not work better, but find that more sense of calm? Or how do we then move forward with this information? Yeah. So great question. So your neurobiology is unique to how you were just wired genetically. Mm -hmm. It's unique to your lived experiences. So things that you have lived through and how your nervous system perceives this is safe or this is dangerous. Your nervous system is also specifically wired based on your cultural upbringing, based on your attachment history, based on your own neurodivergence. So all of these things influence how our nervous system functions. And Absolutely. When we have unresolved traumatic experiences, those get an EMDR, we talk about they're maladaptively stored in the brain, mm. which just means the way that those memories can be stored sometimes is when they get activated, we kind of relive them through feelings or thoughts or images or body sensations. That doesn't mean that every overwhelming traumatic experience you go through is maladaptively stored. Not at all. A lot of experiences just kind of process on their own and we move forward. But when experiences are maladaptively stored, when they get activated, they activate our vagus nerve and our nervous system to respond as if the present is the past or the past mm -hmm. is the present, right? Mm -hmm. So polyvagal theory can help in that sense. 
But it's not all just about how your memories are stored. It's also about how resilient is your nervous system? How toned is your nervous system? And a lot of that is founded in attachment in childhood. So human beings are dependent on a caregiver to keep us safe, to keep us alive, to feed us and to soothe us and to emotionally care for us. And when we have a healthy caregiver who is a safe attachment, which I know a lot of us don't have in our history, but ideally you have a safe attachment figure who regulates you when you're upset and when you're sad and when you're scared and when you're having big emotions when you're a little baby, it's Mm -hmm. hard to be little, right? Because you didn't just get that information downloaded to you at birth. And so when we have caregivers that teach us those things, it helps us to build a healthy, resilient nervous system so that as adults, we have this arsenal of toolkits, of tools that we can go to when we start to get dysregulated and like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I I know how to deep breathe, or I know how to calm down, or I know how to connect with people when I need to talk. And Luckily, we have neuroplasticity. So if we didn't get that when we were little, like you're not doomed, we can grow new neural pathways. And so we can learn how to regulate ourselves through co-regulation, through self-regulation, through apps, through yoga, through mindfulness, through all those things. And essentially, when we learn those skills to regulate our nervous system, we're helping to tone our vagus nerve. Kind of like when you go to the gym and you work out and you're like toning your bicep, you know, like your (laughs) bicep doesn't get toned if you don't lift weights. It just doesn't happen overnight. And the more you work out your vagus nerve and you tone that nerve, the better you're going to be able to deal with stress and the better you'll be able to manage your own stress responses. Mm -hmm. So my next question is, there's all these ways to do it. We know we want to tone in. We know we want to work on that. How do we choose what it is that we do? Yeah, I think that that is, well, one, there's the polyvagal theory and the vagus nerve are just super hip, hot topics right Mm -hmm. now. So, you know, if you look up polyvagal theory, those algorithms are going to stalk you and your Facebook and Instagram and Google ads, and you're going to get shown all these vagal stimulation devices. And unfortunately, currently present day, there's no kind of go-to master list of the ones that are kind of Mm -hmm. professionally vetted by people like Stephen Porges. And so it's hard to find which devices actually work, but there's a lot of different ways that we can exercise our vagus nerve. So there are some actual stimulation devices that you can use. And, you know, when you're out there looking for stuff, there's so many new things coming on the market, like every day, see, like, do they actually have some research supporting Mm. the device that they're, that they're promoting? Cause some places don't have any research or any professionals kind of supporting. And so that always makes me a little questionable about the, the integrity of, of the device, but We can also help to regulate our nervous system and increase our connection to safety by practicing mindfulness. Mindfulness is an amazing way to tone your vagus nerve. Breathing exercises. Your vagus nerve is hardwired connected to your breath and to your heart. Mm. And so breathing exercises, practicing breathing exercises on a regular basis is an amazing way that you are like for sure going to work with your vagus nerve. Exercise is great because when we exercise, we kind of increase our heart rate, right? We put some stress on our nervous system to become more resilient. And then ideally, like our heart rate slows when we're done and we go back to kind of a state of regulation and you get all the endorphins as well. 
There's some other things that are promoted as just kind of do-it-yourself kind of ways to stimulate your vagus nerve. Humming is a really good one or singing stimulates your vagus nerve because of the connection with the vocal cords and what it does to your breath. When you hum or when you sing, it's a long exhale and gargling and also cold Mm. water therapy Mm. are ways to stimulate your vagus nerve. Interesting. And Mm -hmm. so stimulating our vagus nerve is giving us that sense, like giving our body that sense of calm and sort of like training it to be in that space for lack of a better way of saying it. Yeah. You can think of stimulating your vagus nerve as you might use it in the moment when you're feeling really dysregulated, but mm. you know, it's best to practice right. exercises and skills when you're not dysregulated because you're really exercising your nervous system then. And so the more you practice exercises, like the more you practice mindfulness or yoga or breathing exercises or things like that, the more healthy and resilient your nervous system will be when you face stress, when you face something traumatic Mm -hmm. to be able to better navigate through it. And the more resilient our nervous system is, the also also the less likely it is that if we, when we do go through something traumatic again in our lives, that it won't get stored maladaptively and lead to really big issues like PTSD and major depression. Mm -hmm. Do you, can you give an example of obviously not saying any names or anything, but like of a client that you've seen work with some of these tools and like how they've been able to heal their nervous system and come out on the other side, you know, a more connected, more centered sort of individual, like what is something they've done? Or like, can you give us some guidelines around like, how often should I practice breathing exercises? Obviously we know there's no hard and fast, but some examples. Ideally every day, practice self-regulation every day. You can think of you know, we live in this culture of capitalism where self-care has turned into a billion dollar industry and it's associated with these images of wealth and privilege and, and self-care is really, we should see it as intentional self-regulation time. Hmm. And if we all took 10 minutes a day to intentionally self-regulate, whatever that looks like for you, but it's really self-regulation is about, I'm really getting to this very calm safe, kind of cozy space in my nervous system. Mm -hmm. The more we can practice getting there, the more we're going to be able to stay there throughout the challenges of the day. And can you imagine this world if everybody took 10 minutes a day to practice Mm -hmm. self-regulation? It'd be vastly different, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Because we wouldn't all be reacting and responding to each other from these states of stress and fear and anxiety and despair. So I absolutely teach all of my clients polyvagal theory. And some of the outcomes that people have from that is, you know, I use a lot of different exercises. So one is I just teach people to actually map their nervous system and to really identify what do I physically and psychologically feel like when I'm connected to that, to my window of tolerance, my ventral safe and calm circuit of my nervous system. What do I physically and psychologically feel like when I'm in fight or flight or in sympathetic activation? And then what happens when I'm in that dorsal shutdown, totally hypo aroused, like collapsed inside? And even just starting to learn to notice and name what your signs are of I'm dysregulated is like probably feels like, well, that's not rocket science, Rebecca. But how many of us can actually do that? And the better you can actually notice and name what's happening, you have to have that moment 
to be able to have discernment and then say, oh, this means I need to like do something to take care of myself. I notice. So as an entrepreneur, here's a common thing I bet a lot of, of us experience, imposter syndrome, mm. right? Imposter syndrome is such a common thing for entrepreneurs to experience. Do you experience imposter syndrome when you're super well-regulated? Like when you're at your best self, would you say like you experience imposter syndrome very much? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Imposter <laughs> syndrome, you can recognize imposter syndrome probably lives in either your fight or flight sympathetic response, or maybe your dorsal like collapse and shutdown response. For a lot of us, I think it's fight or flight, but everybody's different. So for me, when I notice my imposter voice perking up and I feel my heart rate increase with it, and I start to question my competency and my skill and what the hell am I doing here? Because I know that that's one of my signs of a stress response, then I can say, she's not legit. She's not speaking truth. This is just mm -hmm. my stress response. Because if she was true, I would believe her all the time. She, I, like, I, I wouldn't ever think like she wasn't true, right? If she's true, she's true, but she's not. And so I can notice you're just a product of my nervous system. Mm -hmm. It's feeling anxious right now. So what am I going to do to work with that? So sometimes it's, I need to go sit and calm and regulate. Sometimes I play my walkout song in my head. That's one of my, mm -hmm. my little hacks. Like we all have find a walkout song. Like if you were walking out onto like a baseball field and you were up to <laughs> what song play for you. And so when you walk out into your spaces that trigger your imposter syndrome, play your walkout song in your head and see what that does. So, but you have to have that awareness of this is my stress response before you can say, so this is what I'm going to do with it. Right. Right. Absolutely. And the thing that I've learned with building that awareness and tuning in a little bit more and like, you know, base level being more mindful of what you're feeling from moment to moment is that it then becomes so automatic to go, oh, there's imposter syndrome. I'm going to go sit and breathe four or five minutes to, you know what I mean? Like it becomes, at first it can be really challenging to be aware about it and then also take the step of, okay, now I'm going to give myself that 10 minutes of self-regulation. But I feel like the more you do it, the more you connect like, okay, this is challenging. I'm going to do this. Now I feel better. It just becomes like what you do. You just naturally fall into that rhythm. And so like, I guess I'm saying like, for those of you who are maybe struggling with that, like know that it does get easier with time. The more you, like you were saying, you know, build that neural pathway and that understanding of yourself, it just becomes your automatic response. Yeah. It becomes your default because you've yeah. built, just like you said, those neural pathways and you know what to do and you can catch the signs. But to expect that you can do that without spending the time to practice it is like mm -hmm. expecting, you know, I'm going to become an amazing bodybuilder, but I'm never going to go to the gym or I'm only going to go to the gym once a week for like 30 minutes. Like it's just not going to get you there. You got to put in the time and energy to build a healthy, resilient nervous system. But as entrepreneurs, your nervous system is one of your greatest gifts. Like mm. when your neurobiology is working at an optimal level, when it's well cared for, when you're nourishing it, when you take downtime, when you regulate yourself, you're going to have the creative ideas. Your marketing copy is going to be, you know, spot on. You're going to feel more energized. You're not going to go through the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. You're just going to be your best self. Mm-hmm. And one thing I wanted to add when we were talking about like, you know, it's not just going to happen overnight. I think something that I often remind myself is like, it took me 30 plus years to build these responses and these habits. And I've been doing them without awareness for so long. Like, it's 
it's going to take a little while to rewire them and and rebuild with the new responses. So remembering all of the, we act right now based on everything we've learned over the course of our life. And it's like, I like to think of it as like layers, like we've got all these layers built on top of us of everything we've learned and the beliefs that we have and the reactions we were taught to have. And so it's going to take time to move through those layers to find that baseline of, you know, calm and centeredness in your nervous system. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> um. So before we shift gears, I'm wondering if you have one last gem for us, like if listeners walked away with nothing else but this, what would that be? This might be hard to wrap your head around a little bit. So if it's challenging, just sit with it for a moment. <laughs> but, you know, so often we see our stress responses as kind of our enemy. I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. I need to get it to stop. Like, I hate my anxiety. I, I can't stand myself here. And, and it kind of push, it, it leads to a disembodied experience. Mm. But instead, and this is hard to do at first, but can you see your stress response as your nervous system trying to be your best friend giving you information? Mm-hmm. So when you get sick, usually, usually, you identify some signs and symptoms that you're getting sick. Most often, we don't wake up like, I'm so sick and this came out of nowhere sometimes. But like, think about when you get a cold. It's usually like, oh, I have a tickle in my throat. My nose is a little mm-hmm. runny, whatever. And so you think, oh, I think I'm getting a cold. Let me do something about it. Let me help my body. Versus I'm getting a cold. I'm going to go out and party all night and chain smoke cigarettes. Like it's going to be so much worse, right? So when you feel anxious, when you feel depressed, when you feel despair, when you hear your imposter, when you notice your stress signals, see that as your body giving you invaluable information about something you need. Mm. And rather than saying like, well, let me just like stuff it down or try and just take a pill or I'll drink a glass of wine. Let me numb it out. You're going to miss the valuable lessons there that your body is trying to tell you. That might be that your body is saying, hey, you need to take a regulating reset. You need to take five minutes or like you got to change your day-to-day schedule. This is too much for me. I can't keep up with this. Or, you know, you're trying to push something that's just not going to work. Whatever that is, it can be deep or it can be superficial. But when we can start to see our stress responses as invaluable messengers, then all of a sudden the curtain lifts and we have access to this wealth of information of what our body is trying to communicate to us. And I promise you, your body is always trying to work in your best favor. Mm-hmm. Even though anxiety and panic attacks don't feel like they're helpful and sleepless nights don't feel helpful at all. But all of our stress responses are hardwired survival responses. Mm-hmm. They're hardwired in your nervous system based on millions of years of evolution that have given you these tools to survive trauma and terrible things. And your body is just going to respond with those survival responses whether it's the email or it's an actual like rabbit animal racing at you when you're out in the park, like your mm-hmm. body doesn't always necessarily decipher the difference. So the better you can use your conscious logical brain to befriend the otherwise really automatic kind of primitive reactions that our body is hardwired to respond with, the more efficient you're going to be as a human being and as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And would you say, I'm like thinking as you're saying that, you know, like when you're sick, if you feel the tickle, 
but then you go out drinking and then you wake up the next day and you feel like crap, but then you keep doing the things like it piles up and then boom, your body physically shuts down. Like, I feel like these more emotional responses, the anxiety, it's like, that's like the little tickle and you don't listen to it. You keep doing more and you get more anxious and you don't listen to it. And then like eventually you crash in some way, whether that's you lose a client or you, you know, really screw up a project because you're just like totally, you know, dysregulated. And so I feel like it's the kind of thing that like if you can listen to it now, you can manage it better. So you you handle it in the moment, you see it, you handle it and you move on from it versus letting it build and build and build to like, you know, uh, can't ignore any more situation. Yeah. So like a total catastrophe, five alarm fire, like this just right. isn't working anymore. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if when we try and put it off or we try and create what's called a faux window of tolerance. So a faux mm. window of tolerance is ways that we can kind of usually chemically change our neurochemistry to feel peaceful and calm, like with binging, with food, with overly exercising, with alcohol, with drugs, with too much TV, like all of those things can create a fake window of tolerance. It's not like you're really in a window of tolerance. Mm. You just induced it. And so if we do that, we're not actually building resiliency. We're kind of creating a dissociative process, a disembodied process. We're kicking the can down the road and it's mm-hmm. for sure going to blow up in your face at some point. And it might be really big. It might be small, but it it will come back in, in some way, shape and form. Yeah. Right. Yep. A hundred percent. So let's shift gears a little here. And I want to know what you're getting intentional about right now. Mm-hmm. So I've become aware as an entrepreneur, I'm sure a lot of you can relate with this, but there's always work to do when you run your own business. There's always some new project to dive into. And I've become aware that, you know, I go through these periods sometimes where I have a ton of deadlines. And so there's a lot of stress. And so I'm like really focused and I'm really in it. And I'm like under, under the gun to get to that deadline. And then when the deadlines are gone and my nervous system is all this space to breathe, it's like, it's hard to reset sometimes and my nervous system goes to like, well, what am I doing with myself? I don't, you know, you're being lazy. You're not doing enough. And I've just noticed this because I came out of a month with a lot of really big deadlines. And so I had more anxiety, more pressure in my nervous system to get it done. And I did. And as soon as they were done, I was like, what is life? What am I doing? And so I'm working on giving myself the intentional space to, you have like a month of downtime, right? Just take Enjoy. it. Yeah, just take it and and preventing my mind from just jumping on to like, well, what's the next creative project or what's the next thing to do? Or let's refine our marketing company mm-hmm. or have you like, no, let's just work shorter days and go read a book. Right. There will be more mm-hmm. stuff down the road. So I'm being more intentional about savoring my downtime and just being with some of the, the energy that it brings up because my nervous system is, is just, you know, I'm very driven and I tend to run pretty hot. And so Mm -hmm. taking space in the easy breezy times. (laughs) Yes. I, that's something I've worked on for a long time. And I I can remember, like I would, let's say I had like, you know, was done working at two and, and I'm like, oh, well I'll do work for that. I have on the schedule for tomorrow now, because I have all this space and I might as well do it just in case something comes up tomorrow. And then I'll be, I can take it on tomorrow. And I just remember like having this moment of like, what, why, what? No, I I have space now. Let me take the space now. I will do that work tomorrow where it is scheduled to do. I don't need to do it now. Like enjoy. And I mean, that was many years ago when I first started my business. And I feel like I've really been able to give myself a lot of permission to just like 
move slow, take the space when you have it, punch up the speed when you need to. And, Mm -hmm. but I think pretty much every entrepreneur can identify with exactly what you said, because we're all in some sort of, I know we've all experienced that in some way for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's so ironic, isn't it? Because so many of us want to run our own business so that we have more time and flexibility. And (laughs) that's one of the myths of entrepreneurship. I'm going to have so much more time and flexibility Mm -hmm. in your schedule. It's like, no, you're not. You're going to have way less. (laughs) Yep. Seriously. I know. I feel like we've said that a thousand times on this podcast because it's so true. Um, Okay. Let's shift to where can listeners connect with you outside of this podcast? Yeah. So I have two websites. I have my professional training website. If you are a psychotherapist, if you're a mental health professional, you're interested in getting training or connecting with me and my company, my business is called Case and Co. And our website is just caseandco.com. So really easy. You can also catch me on my own personal website, which is rebeccacase.com. And then for social, you can find me on Instagram at caseco.emdr and on Facebook, Case and Co. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge with us today. It was super interesting. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you on another episode of Mindset Reset Radio.